Welcome to the Rush Hour. Your daily dose of pop culture and entertainment news for your Rush Hour ride. Work sucks, but your commute doesn't have to. Buckle up and enjoy the drive with your host, stand-up comedian and power recapper, Dave Neal. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the Morning Bachelor Rush Hour podcast. It's February 21st, a Wednesday morning. Happy Hump Day 2024. I'm going to get into a lot of Vanderpump content to start. Vanderpump rules in the news. Tom Sandoval making the news with a New York Times story and now has since apologized for some of his comments, which have taken people by storm. I'll have all of that for you. I've also got some Bachelor content we will get into, of course, always have the Bachelor content, and some other news in the entertainment world. Uh, of course, Taylor Swift, uh, we're going to hear from uh, Travis Kelsey's father and what it was like to meet her, and uh, we've got some other uh, ramblings uh, to go through, but let's jump right into the Vanderpump stories. Pretty wild stuff happened. So we've got what happened on last night's episode. We'll do a recap of that, but pretty wild conversation happening uh, culturally speaking. So of course, Tom Sandoval cheated on his longtime girlfriend, Ariana Maddox, uh, last spring or summer or whenever, and it really became national, if not international news, one of the biggest pop entertainment stories of all time. Well, in trying to compare how big of a story it was, Tom Sandoval said, um, I'm not a pop culture historian, really, but I witnessed O.J. Simpson and George Floyd and all these big things. So people got very upset. My, my guess is most people didn't listen to what he actually said, even though even though I'm sure it was bad to compare his doings, that being that he cheated on his girlfriend, to somebody who might have died by murder or other, you know, uh, you know, O.J. Simpson's trial or whatever, right? Um, you could probably break down what his intention was, but I don't think in today's world intention matters too much with everyone's opinions. Here's TMZ reporting on the story. Tom says, I'm not a pop culture historian, really, but I witnessed the O.J. Simpson thing and George Floyd and all these big things, which is really weird to compare this to that, I think. But do you think in a weird way it's a little bit the same? Uh, the answer is no. But he goes on to say, I feel like I got more hate than Danny Masterson, and he's a convicted rapist. Okay, that part's very interesting because Danny Masterson... Uh, yes, is in prison and Tom Sandoval isn't. That's what's interesting, right? The judicial system uh, did not charge Tom Sandoval with a crime. But on a TV show, a reality show, where you are sort of uh, building and curating your fan base based on who you are as a person, right? Well, I'm team this person. I'm team that person. You know, he's got a strong point about the Danny Masterson thing. Well, Danny Masterson didn't really have a fan base uh, outside of, I guess, what, playing a character on that 70s show? And, of course, he's in prison right now. Danny Masterson is. Uh, but, uh, you know, you could always... You, you could tell... Tom's had a very long time to think about this. You can tell how bitter he is. It's not the healthy place to be. Uh, but let's let's finish off with what I guess he was trying to say. Okay. I don't know about the last part. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. As for comparing the scandal to George Floyd is insulting. And to compare it to O.J. Simpson, well, I can speak to that because I cover that case every day. And I can tell him he's delusional on that. Um, and I don't even know if he was alive. I mean, he must have been alive, but 
He certainly wasn't in the mix during the O.J. Simpson well, case. There's no comparison. And tons of people online, Harvey, agree with you. Just reading through the comments. All right, so it goes on and on. And it became a big story. And again, guys, I don't know. Maybe this is from a place of privilege. But I don't hold Tom Sandoval to some level like he's smart enough to make the comparison about what he went through. Now, did he go through something crazy? Yes. Was it in part because of the consequences of an action of his actions? Yes. Um, but at the same time, I think I think we could probably all agree that the penalty he faced, pretty much being shamed from all of culture out there, I think we can agree that's probably was a little bit of a harsh penalty. Do, what do you guys think? I, you know, you know what I mean. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe every cheater should get that same sort of uh, fate that he got. I just think it's like okay, yeah, he did something wrong, immoral. He lost trust with his friend group, this and that. But he didn't. Ki- he didn't bur- b- b- kill a bunch of dogs. You know what I mean? It's like the guy. The guy's clearly messed up. I guess I'm just saying I don't hold him to a level that is. Uh, that was so high up that he fell far from what I thought Tom Sandoval was. Now the uh, now now Tom Sandoval did apologize. He posted this four hours ago, as as uh, far as when I'm recording this episode, and he said my intentions behind the comments I made in New York Times Magazine were to explain the level of national media attention my affair received. The comparison was inappropriate and ignorant. I'm incredibly sorry and embarrassed. So yeah. You could probably make the case he was trying to make if you worded it in a different way and just said, well, um, X amount of people talked about my case, um, you know, uh, versus X amount who talked about these previous other cases. But again, they're completely different stories. I mean, for the most part, you know, OJ Simpson existed, that case, that scandal existed in a time when social media uh, didn't exist, right? Everyone just like was getting the news out there, watching the court case. It was kind of like divided culturally but on on some you know some different lines and in the Tom Sandoval she was like no you got busted for cheating Tom Sandoval's story was just way more salacious it was like caught red-handed and but by the way so if you watched last night's episode um, I'm calling bullshit on the moment where Ariana comes home and says her Lyft driver recognized her as the same Lyft driver that drove her home um, when she ended up uh, finding out of the affair listen I drove Lyft and Uber for a couple years 3,000 plus rides and 3,000 plus rides maybe 4,000 only twice did I ever pick up the same passenger Los Angeles is a very very big city my biggest fear when I was a Lyft driver was I didn't want to pick up any like my ex-girlfriend I was like oh this would be so embarrassing if I pick up my ex-girlfriend and she's like wow Dave you're such a loser not that you're a loser if you do ride share I was just trying to get by and survive uh, but brutal brutal I mean you you don't even know the stories driving driving a bunch of drunk women around during SantaCon. I had a I had a uh, a a drunk elf crying in the back seat because some Santa Claus stood her up. You know what I mean? That doesn't sit well with me. Either way, I'm going to have more. Let's do this. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this last night's episode where Ariana completely dismisses Tom Sandoval's mental health issues. It was pretty wild. I don't know if you guys are following this, but I thought it was pretty nuts. We'll have more on that right after the break. 
What do you guys think about Ariana this season? She kind of hinted before the season started that she thought uh, some people aren't going to like what she has to say. Tom Schwartz, of course, says that she's getting like too full of herself. I don't know if that's necessarily it, but she definitely... she So she basically gives people an ultimatum. She says, anyone who's friends with me can't be friends with Tom Sandoval, of course, after they broke up. She said, you're dead to me if you stay friends with him. And then you have people like Sheena, who clearly wants to redeem you know, or re-welcome a friendship with Tom and you have all these other women who probably don't want to be told what to do I'll I'll tell you where I stand I think in a normal world you wouldn't want your best friends to stay friends with your ex I get that but Vanderpump it's like they're all complicit now again she's not complicit in the cheating but they're all complicit about being on a TV show where they have to all stay in the same friend circle it that the TV show survives because they're all doing this thing where they started out as young 20 year olds working in a bar and now they're mid to late 30 to 40 year olds, early to mid 40 year olds working in a bar and, and building whatever. And we love the show. I mean, it's a very interesting show. It feels like you're you're watching the most toxic version of your own friends. It's almost, I don't know if it's more or less toxic than Jersey Shore. I want to say more toxic because they're older. Jersey Shore was a bunch of drunk 20 somethings, right? But the, the, the this group is older here. So I find it very interesting that Tom, that, um, Basically, Ariana tells Tom Schwartz he's dead to her. And Tom Schwartz really is only guilty of not abandoning his friend. You know, when we talk about the idea of being canceled, whether it's for good reason or not, you could say Tom was canceled for good reason. And you might say he wasn't canceled at all. Well, you know, canceled such a broad term, but the mass sort of um, disrespect from an audience, which we can co- completely understand uh, g- given what he did. Um, I actually see someone like Tom Schwartz And again, not an expert on the show. I only started watching it last season. But I see someone like that and I say, you know what? Good on you for not ditching your friends just because they did something wrong. That's not what friends are supposed to... Friends aren't supposed to be there um, because you do everything right. Now, if you have a toxic friend who keeps making mistakes, do what you have to do in your own life to cut that out. But... I think it's very telling this season. Like we see Tom Sandoval with an incredible amount of bitterness. I mean, you saw here in this episode last night when Tom Schwartz was trying to talk to him and say, hey, come to Tahoe and like, let's hang out. People want to make amends. And Tom Sandoval's bitter and super angry. But, you know, he's got receipts to show why. He's like, Sheena and Lala, they profited off of me. They had podcasts with merchandise. They used my name. They did. All, they basically gave everybody else permission to bash me. And you're like, well, you're not that wrong. You're not that wrong. It's a weird world with this parasocial relationship everyone had following this scandal. I mean, it was almost like everyone felt they were cheated on. If you even tried to defend how maybe rough Tom was getting it, people would start attacking you. And I always like to have these conversations because why not? Why not have these conversations? It's literally why we talk about pop culture because in some weird tribal way, it's like we are all on the same common denominator, right? We're talking about people we, for you know, the most part, know about. And very chilling in that scene where um, Ariana was told in the pool at um, at the birth at the pool party there um, at James's pool party in Burbank that that um, Tom was having suicidal thoughts. Basically, she was told Tom was having suicidal thoughts. And in her testimonial, after she had time to think about it, she goes, you know what? People aren't going to like what I have to say, but I just feel annoyed. And 
I hear you. Why should Ariana have any empathy for him? He was cold-blooded in the way that he cheated on her in their house when she was home. I totally get it. My only thought with that is an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. That's my only thought, not to invoke Gandhi here, but it's like stooping to that low level of energy. I mean, you should you should always like it, it, take my instance right with Jane Doe. She's literally threatened that she would um, you know, the blood would be on my hands. The blood is on your hands, Dave Neal. If she does something to harm herself because of my coverage of a very fair and public trial and I would never ever, oh my gosh, it would it, I've thought about it literally early on before I before I kind of came to the conclusion conclusion that she was using that as you know, weaponizing her emotions to attack me because she did that to like five other people uh but but i was like oh my gosh yeah what would happen like would i be able to live with myself knowing someone harmed themselves and in the end of the day like ariana she needs to know she's just doing her best to move on i don't think she's stoking the flames with uh tom sandoval at all it's just a, it's a tricky thing they they both share a home uh but first of all they got to take the artwork down they literally are still living in the same home together i get why they haven't moved out i just bought a house with an interest rate in the seven percents they probably bought their house with an interest rate under three percent so they're literally paying le- interest that's probably less than the rate of inflation so that's a that's a <laughs> you don't want to be leaving that i understand but boy how toxic i'm watching that going is Tom Schwartz and Lala, at least in this episode, are they mo- the most mature people out here? And then you have Katie, uh, of course, Tom Schwartz's ex-wife, sort of throwing Tom Schwartz under the bus. I don't know. It's very strange. You know, some might say, Dave, you haven't watched long enough to know the true dynamics. Maybe I haven't, but I don't know, guys. I'm hooked. This this to me is way more interesting than any of the other like dating shows that are out there. Well, let's uh, do a little Bachelor coverage. Olivia from this past season of Bachelor in Paradise gives a whole bunch of word salad in trying to describe the women on Joey's season. Have a listen. So you guys know the little sound that's like, can I call you Rose? I just want to put my two cents out there into the world. If you want to come for me in the comments and you want to slam me, understand I don't care about your opinion. I just want to let y'all know, some of you are like the weeds in the ground. Some of you are like dandelions, you know. Some of you are the little puff that you pick out and you make a wish and you blow. That's a dandelion. Okay, some are hydrangeas, some are peonies, some are orchids, some are sunflowers. But some of y'all are the weeds. And I need you to just accept that and let it marinate and understand you need to do better there it is that's live i don't know what she's talking about i don't know if she's talking about the audience or the girls from the season i don't know either way um maybe i mean maybe live needs to understand that maybe she's the weeds in somebody else's garden you know what i mean like uh that's it and maybe i'm the weeds too who knows all right i want to warm me up with okay here here is a game we're gonna play try to guess what this man is saying we're gonna have what i believe is a scottish lad talking to an english lad the english lad says sorry i have no idea what you just said then the scottish guy repeats himself then the English guy goes, yeah, I still don't know what you said. This is happening, I guess, in their, um, in their parliament. Have a listen. 
what work is being done to make sure that this place is more accessible, particularly for some of our colleagues who have a disability. Sorry. Must- I heard something about access, something about colleagues with a disability. Something to do with my antipodean background. Could you please repeat the question because I didn't follow it. I'm saying that a number of parliamentary colleagues who have disabilities do find it quite difficult getting around certain parts of the state. Given that we're doing this refurbishment work, what can be done to make sure that those with a disability are able to move around more freely and the place is accessible? Really sorry. Please, could you do it very slowly in intermediate English? And he says, in intermediate English. I think I understood what he said. Let's listen one more time. I think I got it the second time. Who have disabilities do find it quite difficult getting around. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's start a little bit sooner here. I'm saying that a number of parliamentary colleagues who have disabilities do find it quite difficult getting around certain. Okay, a number of colleague, a number of parliament colleagues with disabilities do find it difficult getting around here. Parts of the state, given that we're doing this refurbishment work, what can be done to make sure that those with a disability are able to move around more freely and the place is accessible? What can be done with those with disability to get around more freely? And then I couldn't get the rest. Either way, one more time for you. Here it is. Have a listen. What work is being done to make sure that this place is more accessible, particularly for some of our colleagues who have a disability? Sorry, it must be something to do with my antipodean background. Could you please? All right. Okay. We got enough of that. As any Scottish listeners out there want to translate? Boy, those Scots. Who can hear? I mean, what, do, do, do Americans, do we have a version of the Scots? You know, the South talks real slow. Um, I'm trying to think. Boston's weird, but it's not that crazy. I don't know if we have something that's as hard to hear as the Scots, but hey, power to them. They're doing their best. That's all that matters. All right, I got Papa Kelsey coming up to you right after this. A little birdie told me you guys really loved all of my Taylor Swift content. Well, now we have Travis Kelsey's father talking to Australia's longest running breakfast TV program, The Today Show, now that Taylor's performing in Australia. Here's what the dad had to say about meeting Taylor Swift. <laughs> you know, he mentioned you um, on, on his podcast, which is sensational um, with his bro, mm. um, about how you met um, Taylor. There, it was a private meeting, yeah. um, just you and four million cameras. <laughs> <laughs> what was she like? What was she like when you met and, and what do you think of her um, and the relationship? I think she's a she's a very uh, a very down to earth, very grounded person. Uh, when you consider all the attention and adulation that's that's that follows her, it's it's kind of remarkable that she is just like the girl next door. I mean, that's that's the only way I can put it. Really, she, uh, you know, I've told the story a few times. I'll tell it once more. First time we're at a game, we're in the suite, and, you know, as guys do, we drink something or eat something, the plate, the cup gets set down wherever, right? Mm. And uh, gets up to go, I don't know if she's going to the bathroom, get something to drink, but she got up to go on the back of the suite, and she picks up a handful of empty cans and plates and stuff, and I don't know who else noticed it, but I did. Mm. And that really, that really speaks for. And if you meet her folks, when when I, I've met her folks, and and I know why she does stuff like that. That's just the way she was raised. Yeah, she is not the least bit obsessed with her with her fame. Uh, she accepts it. She loves what she does. Uh, very hard worker. Very shrewd businesswoman. 
she uh, she puts everything into these shows. Mm. It sounds to me like you're not going to yeah. have a problem if they get married. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, can you believe that? Uh, you know, my my baby's uh, you know uh, a couple months away, but when he's old enough, maybe he'll marry a pop star, and I'll be I'll be Travis Kelsey's. <laughs> you know, I'm doing a podcast like, hey, could you get my daughter in law on this podcast? Uh, you know, I'm sure I'm. Oh, wouldn't that be great when Ta- Travis uh, Kelsey finally gets Taylor Swift on a podcast? Uh, I mean, yeah, we we can't even fathom the celebrity and what it's like. I I got to tell you this. I mean, there's nothing better in this world than being anonymous. You ever, you ever got to pick your nose in public? Can't do it if you're famous. You ever just, you ever just uh, take too many bites of uh, food at the airport? Can't do it if you're famous. You ever, you ever got to scratch your butt? We've all got to scratch our, can't do it if you're famous. I just couldn't imagine that world that you have to live. Now you might say, oh, but they're worth a billion dollars. But is a billion dollars in a private jet worth not being able to ugly cry after watching, uh, you know, a couple of TikTok videos about soldiers coming home? You know what I mean? It's just like they it is a different type of tough love that they have out there. Well, let's wrap up today with some good news here. We've got milestones we are hitting. You guys might remember we covered Texas Hold'em, the new song by Beyonce just a few days ago. Well, now we can report that Beyonce has become the first black woman to ever reach number one on the country chart with Texas Hold'em. The song is everywhere, folks. Stick around, round, 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 round. Texas Hold'em dethroned Zach, Bryant, and Casey Musgraves. I remember everything on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart. And she they revealed that the alien superstar musician 42 became the first ever black female artist to top the Hot Country charts. Thanks to her single, Texas Hold'em, which debuted at number two on the Hot 100. 19.2 million official streams, 4.8 million in all format airplay audience, with 39,000 sales in the U.S. through February 15th. Ladies and gentlemen, Beyonce is a tour de force. I mean, hey, it's a catchy song. 32-time Grammy winner, also made a history as the first female artist to claim the top spot on hot country songs and hot R&B hip-hop songs since October 1958, when the list became all-encompassing genre songs charts. So, uh, look, she's an absolute legend, and now she's crushing it in a whole new market, and we've never been happier. All right, as far as today's concerned, let's just move to a little bit of uh, some other news here. Clayton Eckerd has a, um, not a hearing, but there is a meeting happening with the judge today at 10.30 a.m., I guess Arizona time, whatever time is that. I will be live on my channel to discuss. I've got a court reporter that is heading to the courthouse, I believe. Uh, I don't know what room it is off the top of my head, but Maricopa County Superior Court. And we will be hearing if the judge is going to impose any sanctions or force Jane Doe to be deposed. It'll be an interesting day, so make sure to stick around. Make sure to be subscribed to the YouTube channel to pick up on all that content. And don't forget, also, join the Patreon, where we'll have additional information, behind-the-scenes access at noon Central Standard Time today on patreon.com slash Dave Neal.
Everyone have a good work day today. We'll catch you on the flip side. As always, I'm Dave Neal, and this is Bachelor Rush Hour. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, don't. Join the free Facebook group, Dave Neal's Community. Got cash? Become a premium member at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. Link in the description below. And don't forget to follow Dave on Instagram at dneals for upcoming stand-up shows. See you tomorrow on The Rush. Thank you.